Thanksgiving and welcome to the Thanksgiving Thursday edition of the Daily Walk. I hope you take time to give this shortened edition of the Daily Walk a listen. Today we are in 2 Corinthians 1 through 5. I'm your host Wayne Clevenger and Paul writes yet another letter to the Church of Corinth and he's just trying to give more encouragement to them. These chapters are shorter, and it's somewhat repetitive, but it hits on encouragement for uh, things that they are enduring. And the reality is, excuse me, Paul writes more than two letters. These are just the two they found, and that passed the canon, which is the way that Things are scrutinized to show that they are truly inspired by God to be put in the Bible. So we start off in the first chapter with Paul letting people, the church of Corinth, know that God is the comforter, the great comfortable comforter. Sorry. Our God is merciful. He's a merciful father and the source of all comfort. And he comforts us in our times of trouble so that we can comfort others. And so, you know, the big thing about that is we know that Jesus teaches, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforter. He is the great comforter. Uh, The comforter has come. We know that song. But if we look at that, we can as we go through different times of trouble and despair and calamity and we get through it because of the help of Jesus, we can help others. And that's what Paul's saying because we know Paul's been through quite a bit. And so he shares with that and he will do this by exclaiming that I stopped relying on myself and started to rely on God. And so when we see that, that's where the scripture that says, um, in my weakness, he is made strong. When we see that scripture, we're going to understand that in my weakness, that's when I start seeing that I can't do it on my own. And I realize that I have to rely on him realize rely those two things go together and so he is helping us see that god is our great comforter and he's helping the church of corinth see that because they're struggling because they're in a in a real uh immoral land set and you know if we look at today there are times where we may have to realize we have to rely and i'm kind of emphasizing that realize rely on god and then he thanks him for praying for him so 
He says, you're all helping by praying for us. You're helping us by praying for us. So that right there says we got to intercede for each other. And that's why uh, I'm involved with the intercessory prayer on Mondays. Every Monday, uh, I encourage it for my church. Uh, you know, but the, the sad thing is there's a lot of people that just don't take the time. And so we really need to pray for each other and help each other in that thing of called prayer. Okay? So then we get into chapter 2. And my iPad's doing its thing again. Let me get there. And there's someone in the church that has done something really bad and hurt them. And, you know, we all have that person. You know, I know our church has been through something. And there's some people that are, you know, the person was around the other day and I could sense the uneasiness. And Paul's like, it's time to forgive. It's time to forgive and comfort him. So this is a male person. And, you know, it's important because I keep saying we, we've got to forgive. You know, uh, Matthew six fifteen says we, unless we forgive our Father in heaven, won't forgive us. And we, that's Jesus saying that. So we got to forgive him. Paul's urging him, you know, it's time to forgive. Otherwise, he may be overcome and discouraged and so he's urging them to reaffirm their love for him because Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. That's unconditional. And then they will know you're my disciples. If we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to be put in some precarious situations. And if we're going to love like Jesus, we got to love like Jesus loved even Judas. And, you know, there's some people in our church that probably feel like the one that they're upset with is a, is borderline Judas to them. But we have to, uh, we have to get past that. You know, we have to be forgiving as Christ has forgiven us, which we're going to see that scripture eventually too. And so I'm not going to give it away, but it's like, Paul is urging them, come on, it's not worth the upset. You have to be bigger than that, and my basketball team would understand what I'm talking about in that particular phrase. And so we have to try to live like Jesus and be forgiving, and he's urging them to give them that forgiveness because our lives live under the new covenant. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. And this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved than by those who are perishing, that are dying in their sin. So those who are perishing, it's like a dreadful smell to them. That's how Paul puts it. Because if you think about it, those that are perishing in their sin, they're dying out in their sinful life. They don't want to hear what you got. And you're good way of life they don't you know it's convicting so they don't want to be around it 
But to those who are hungry for what you have, they want what you have. They want to be around that. They want that. And that's what Paul's telling telling us. And it's like a life-giving perfume because they want that. And so be the life-giving fragrance to people. And when we harbor, that's why he's saying you got to forgive because if we harbor that unforgiveness in our heart we're not putting off a life-giving fragrance we actually have bo and i walked into a weight room the other day and it was not a life-giving fragrance (laughs) you know so i urge you brothers and sisters as paul does it's time to forgive and put away those things. So chapter three, he goes into the old covenant, which was, you know, the book of Moses. It's written on stone tablets. But how much glorious it is to have the Holy Spirit living in you. Yes, even today, when we read Moses' writings, we, you know, Moses come down on the mountain after the the tablets were written and the second time and he spends all this time with the Lord and it's the glory of the Lord shone so bright on him that he had to have a veil on his face. But even that would fade eventually. So today, even today we can be in the light of the word, but it can fade. But when we have the Holy spirit living on us, that never fades. And when we get the Holy Spirit living in us, when we turn to the Lord, the veil that, like per se, that has covered us in sin, that's taken away. And we're no longer separated from the innermost workings of the Lord because we just read in 1 Corinthians that when we have the Holy Spirit in us, that's when we start knowing the mind of Christ. That's when we start knowing the thoughts of God. That's when we start being one with God like Christ is with God because that's what he prayed for us in John 17, that we would be one with him and each other like he and the Father are one. And this veil is taken down. Remember when Jesus died on a cross, the veil was rent in two. There's no more middleman. There's no more separation from God. When we come to Jesus, we are one. And so the veil is removed, and we reflect the glory of the Lord, who is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we become more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That's in chapter 3. And that's the glory of having the Holy Spirit live in us, and we need that. And that's why we want to be like that. And so we're not hidden. He goes into more of that in chapter 4. We're not hidden behind a veil. We can preach with bold authority and preach the good news and or witness it. You don't have to preach it. You can be the witness to it. And people won't understand it because they're hidden behind it. But then you know that when you're... Pre- I love this chapter... 2 Corinthians 4, chapter 8, because there's a song that my band used to sing about this. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. 
We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. And so we, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit in us, we have that power. Remember, I said yesterday, I believe, you know, in John fourteen twelve, everything Jesus was able to do, he gives us that power and authority to do as well. And more, he said. So we are virtually indestructible until we finish the call he's laid on our life. So whatever your call is, know that he's going to be with you. Yeah, you'll get knocked down once in a while. Yeah, things will get perplexing once in a while. Yes, there's going to be troubles. But with God, anything is possible. And we are going to see this scripture. You can do anything through Christ who gives you strength. So we don't look at the troubles we see now. We fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. That's something we gotta keep in focus. It's only temporary. It's only temporary. Because why? Because in chapter five, we close out with this. We're going to live in a house in heaven with an eternal body that God himself has made for us and not with human hands. The house is made by God. The body's made with God. So even though we grow weary in our present bodies, these earthly bodies, we long for our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we live by believing and not by seeing. This is good. Because this is like, we live by faith, not by sight. He doesn't say it that way here, but you'll see it later. And we know that as long as we're in these bodies, these earthly bodies, we're not home yet. And Building 429 is a music group on the radio, and they're like, they have that song out that's real popular. We we had it played at my brother-in-law's funeral when he went on to be with Jesus, my sister's husband. All I know is I'm not home yet. And that's so huge. We got to remember that. Because we're not home yet. And we fix our eyes not on what the scene is but what on the unseen is because we know that we get to be with Jesus one day. So we have to stop evaluating others with human point of view, with a human point of view. We have to look at people like Jesus would look at people and look at them as souls, as people needing or wanting that missing thing in their life. And to me, that's huge because we know we have the answer. God gave us a wonderful message of reconciliation. And that message is God made Christ 
who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And that's how chapter 5 closes that exact scripture. And so this Thanksgiving, man, let's, let's just be thankful that God sent his son so that even though we see all the fixings on the table for Thanksgiving and we're with family and we see all that, we know that in the unseen, if we all have Jesus, we'll be gathered at a table that's many times greater in the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Lord God himself. And we'll be thanking him for life eternal with bodies that are all new and fresh. Thank the Lord this Thanksgiving for the opportunity to worship and be in his presence as you gather with family because you know he made a way just for you. Happy Thanksgiving. Give God the praise, and we'll see you tomorrow.